Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. This is episode 11, and on this episode, we will be covering the New Orleans Saints and the NFL playoffs. I'm Arjun. That is, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at ggoonerpod, and this podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. So, Kyle, um, you know, you want to talk us through this one? Yeah, if I have to. It, so, firstly... This is going to be, I'm going to quickly go through the game, uh, just kind of the stats, the scores that happened, and then we'll rant because there's a lot to rant about. There's a lot of things that happened in this game or didn't happen in this game that we'll talk about. So firstly, the score ended 30-20, Tampa Bay. They ended up winning. They're going to Green Bay, going to Lambeau Field to face the Packers. We'll get to that later. And the game started out with uh, not much happening by the Bucks. Saints get the ball on a punt. Deontay Harris returns the ball about, I think it was 56 yards. It was awesome. 50, 52, 56. It was 50 something. It was, it was the thing we hadn't seen in a while. And he caught the ball and immediately got hit by Jaden Mickens, Jalen Mickens, and then returned at 56 yards. It was beautiful. It was glorious to see. The Bucks had horrible coverage. Didn't matter. Deontay Harris, electricity, his longest punt return of the season. It was awesome. We go, we score a field goal. We didn't want that. We wanted a touchdown. The Bucks get it back. Nothing happens. We get the ball. Again, Deontay Harris gets the punt return, returns it for a touchdown, but Carl Granderson had an illegal block in the back that negated the touchdown. We could have been up 10, 10 zip, and that would have been awesome. Could have even been up 14 zip if we scored a touchdown in the previous drive. But nope. Harris's return was considered seven yards after it was all said and done versus a 70-something yard return touchdown. It was electric. We scored a field goal on that drive, up 6-0 going into second quarter. The Bucs score a field goal. The Bucs then, I believe that was the first interception. I could be wrong. It was the first, yep. Yes, that was the first interception by Drew Brees happens. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, first interception, not ideal. Uh, wasn't a great pass, but yeah, it, just, it happens. Uh, then the Bucks get it. Uh, Mike Evans bodies Marshawn Lattimore in the end zone. Everyone was like, "Oh, Marshawn Lattimore can't not can't lock him down." Oh, ha 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 ha! There is literally nothing Lattimore could have done on the play. Mike Evans is a humongous human being who stood there. And just said, throw me the ball, Tom. My arms are farther out than Lattimore's can physically be. If he's behind me, it doesn't matter what he does. And that yeah. it was a power forward touchdown. It was a Gronk touchdown. Also, that was, that was Mike Evans' only catch of the game. So I don't want to hear it. Yeah. One one catch, three yards, a touchdown on four targets. I don't want to hear y'all talk, like chirping. I don't want to hear it. Lattimore locked him up all day. So shush yourselves. Then the next drive may have been the craziest a drive I have ever seen from the saints and not because of what happened like on the drive, but because of the score that happened on it. Uh, so for those who didn't watch the saints bears game, there was a trick play where someone I started with the ball. I think it was Montgomery. He flipped, he uh, tossed it to, I believe Allen Robinson Robinson flicked it to Trubisky Trubisky threw the ball to Javon Wims in the end zone on a trick play. Javon Williams drops it in the end zone. 
everyone's seen it at this point. If you haven't, go check it out on Twitter. You can find it at GGGunnarPod on Twitter, by the way. So that happened in that game. Sean Payton saw it and was like, that looks good. We're going to run that play. So what happens is Jameis Winston, firstly, comes on the field. And everyone, including myself, was like, huh? What's happening? That was my exact reaction. Breeze, Breeze went off the field. We had just converted a third down. Um, yeah. And then Breeze came straight off the field. And I was like, huh? And then the camera pans to Jameis. And then I just look at the screen. I'm like, huh? Huh? I said that out loud. I was like, what is happening? And then Jameis lined up. I was like, oh, they're just going to go QB power with Kamara. That was my thought was, oh, it's going to be Kamara, quarterback power, something easy. And I also was for a quick note for anyone who didn't also know about this, both Latavius Murray and Taysom Hill were out for the game. So we're missing our backup running back and Taysom Hill, who does everything for us. And we'll talk about that more after we discuss the game, but missing them. So Jameis comes on and we're like, that's not normal. My tweet was Jameis is on question mark. <laughs> okay. And then immediately followed by a bunch of uppercase letters going out of blah, 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 because we run the play. Kamara gets it. Manuel Sanders jet sweeps it, takes it from him, flicks it back to Jameis. Jameis throws a beauty to trade to Traquan Smith in the middle of the field for a touchdown. No one was near him. And the reason for that is that all four defenders that were running downfield were following Alvin Kamara because normally on plays like that, and it makes sense as to what happened is that you follow whoever started with the ball in this case, Kamara, because he tossed it to Sanders and that you follow the wheel route. And that's exactly what they did. They all four of them followed him. Traquan Smith was just wide open. And the other thing on that play, it wasn't meant to be Traquan Smith. It was meant to be Deontay Harris, but because Deontay Harris got hurt after uh, his like first catch of the day or one of his first catches, Smith was the one who got put in. And after the game, he said, I'm grateful I paid attention in practice. Because he was the one who drew the assignment, so he had to do it. And he, yeah, it was it couldn't have worked any better than it did. And it was and another down. thing, another thing about that play that I want to note was like my reaction to it. It's so unfortunate because I didn't react because there was a flag thrown almost immediately after the play started, and I just immediately assumed it was against us. We all did. And I don't want to assume it was I didn't even I didn't even celebrate. I was like, well, great play but it's coming back. And then the ref comes out and goes number 74 or number 78. I forgot if it was Will Clapper or, Hayden or, or Hurst. Um, number 74, 78 did report as eligible touchdown. And I was Everyone like, freaked and then, Twitter. and then that at the time I was like, that is the turning point at the time. I said, that is the turning point in this game. And I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about this all day on the podcast. We're going to talk about it so much as the turning point. And on that, I'll just let you continue. Yeah. And then I, I'm, I'm quickly loading up the kind of play-by-play uh, of -play the drive specifically so I can get a better understanding of it. So that happens. Bucks get the ball, three and out. They pump back. We get the ball, six plays. We pump back. The Bucks get it, 13 plays. They go downfield, field goal, 13, 13 and a half. We get the ball to start the second half. We go 10 plays, 75 yards for five-ish minutes, and we get a touchdown to Traquan Smith, which, by the way, what a catch that was. He, what a catch. It was a great throw and a great catch. That was Drew's best throw on the day, 
and Traquan like leaping over his shoulder, caught it, toe tap, touchdown, beautiful. It was amazing to see. Then the Bucks get the ball, five plays, they punt. The immediate thought by all of us, really, every, every person watching was, if the Saints can put another touchdown on the board, they can start to run away with it. And we had four plays. We got about 12-ish yards. It was looking decent. And then we have a play. Jared Cook runs a normal inside post route. He catches the ball, normal Jared Cook style, takes two steps towards the run-up field. He had about 20 yards of open space ahead of him. He had a defender coming, but he had space. He can get another 10, 15 yards minimum. It looked good. Antoine Winfield Jr., who is his cover man, comes behind and strips the ball. Bucks get it. Then the game was basically over at that point. That was the that was the game over. Cooks fumble. The Bucks go get a field goal. Next drive, they got a touchdown another, off that. They got, they got a, a touchdown off it. No, they got a field goal off of. Oh, they got a touchdown off of the that one. My bad. That was that was touchdown. That was my fault. So touchdown. Then we get the ball back, and then we punt, and then they get the ball and they get a field goal, and we get the ball back and we're like, okay, it's twenty three to twenty. We need to score. We're getting to the point now where we kind of need to score. There's about three minutes, like five minutes left in the game, I believe. Uh, oh no, my bad. There was it was fourth quarter. It was there was about nine and a half. Nine and a half minutes left. We need to go and do something. So we start the drive. We go about 10, 13 yards to be exact. And then Drew Brees throws an interception. It was to Jared Cook. Jared Cook, it bounced off his left shoulder because he just whiffed on the ball. And it was picked off by, I believe, Murphy Bunting. I don't know who it was specifically. Uh, and then the Bucks go four plays, 20 yards, touchdown. It, and yeah, that happened. And then we're like, okay, maybe some Superdome magic. There is about five minutes left. Maybe Superdome magic, four minutes, something like that. Superdome magic happens. We'll be good to go. Four plays, 10 yards, Drew Brees, throws an interception. So that pick was actually the Jared Cook one. That one was the Cook. That one was the Cook one. Yeah, the one before was the one that Devin White picked off. Which Devin White picked and off, which was behind. I, I, don't, I, I don't want to praise any Bucks players, but Devin White had a hell of a game. He Devin, was Devin White was the best player on that field last night. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There was no close second for the best player on the field, offense or defense. Devin White, I'm not going to say he won Tampa the football game. It was really, it was the turnovers. It was the defense. But if Devin White wasn't on the field, we win the football game. Yes. And this will now start where my rant begins, which I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, Brady won the game. What a goat he is. All of these things. No. I, I, I'm not saying Brady's not a go. What I'm saying is Brady didn't win this game. The Saints defense, for all intents and purposes, shut the Bucs down. We did, the Saints defense did what they needed to do. The Bucs touchdowns came on super short field position because of turnovers. That's where they came. There was three touchdowns scored on really good field position. You can't do anything to get against that if you're the defense. They did what they had to do. Saints give up the ball, good field position, touchdown. Bing, bang, boogie. The Saint, the Tom Brady didn't win this game. Mike Evans didn't win this game. Tony Brown, Gronk, none of them. No, no, no. This was the Bucs defense. The Saints defense played really well. The Bucs defense 
played lights out. They, besides the two touchdown drives we had and special teams, the Bucks defense was electric. They locked up Michael Thomas, four targets, no catches. And I, again, I'm going back and forth here, but on the Michael Thomas thing, people were like, oh, how dare you not catch a pass? This was his first game career where he didn't catch a pass in, in a game. His first career game without a catch. And he caught one, but he was out of bounds. Like, you can't be like, oh, how dare you not catch one? Everyone gets locked up at some point in time. You can't be dominant and just like, dominate every time. The Bucks got the better of the matchup. Carlton Davis played really well. So did the Bucks players. They locked him up. Cool. Okay. So someone else has to take over. Maybe Kamara. Kamara did look really good running the ball. He looked really good running inside, running through the right, running through Ramchek. He looked really good. Ruiz was getting a lot of movement on that line, but we just didn't run it with Camaro when we needed to. When we needed to do it, we didn't give him the ball. And we trusted Drew. And trusting Drew, I trust him, but I don't trust him throwing the ball to Jared Cook. And I was just it was it was it was rough. It was really rough. This Bucks defense, though, they deserve the plaudits. Levante David, uh Jared, Jason Pierre Paul tripped freaking uh, Camara on a could have been touchdown run. He could have done it, but JPP stuck a leg out there, got called for a tripping foul, which I forgot was an actual penalty you could get. I forgot that was a thing, but he <laughs> did it so bad. I saw it and it was called, and I was like, oh my God. And I, it's just, it, the game hurt to watch that the past four years, four seasons in a row, we've had tough playoff losses. That the first one, Miracle in Minneapolis. That was a tough, that was a tough one. That was a last second touchdown that if we stop it, we win. Maybe you say that's not our year. Maybe it wasn't. The Eagles ended up winning the Super Bowl. Maybe not have been our year. The year afterwards, it was our year. 2018, for all intents and purposes, was our best year to win a Super Bowl besides when we won a Super Bowl in 2010. That was our 2009-10. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was our best season. Everything worked. We were rushing the passer well we were defending pat we were doing everything right everything worked our offense camara was lights out dominant thomas was getting to be dominant it was just looking good everywhere and then we get screwed over by a ref call and then we breeze throws a pick after he's hit on a pass and we lose the game to the rams that one hurt that was our best year that one really hurt to watch and then the next year, we have the game against, again, the Vikings and Rudolph casual touchdown pass in the end zone. And again, it hurt. Like, it, we, we looked good. It, again, it looked like our year. Again, it wasn't as good as the Rams' year was, but it looked we could do something. May, it may not have been our year. Who knows? And we lose the game. This was the first playoff game in the pad of these four that I was like, we deserve to lose the game. We can't, you can't turn the ball over four times and expect to win a game. That's just not possible. That this falls on just the pass game in general and the offensive line and just everything. This falls on Drew. It's not all his fault, but it is part of it's his fault. And there was, again, a lot of people last night tweeting out, oh, Drew looks like it looks like he should be retiring. He looks old. He's garbage. He's trash. He's awful. The Bucks defense played well. I've said it a lot. 
The Bucks defense was electric last night. Every so often, a team plays a good defense and they do poorly. Tom threw, uh, if I can find his exact stats, 18 for 33 for 199, and he had he got sacked once. Tom was lucky to get 18 completions. A lot of them came at the end of fourth quarter when they just were dominant and we just had nothing going for us. That was when a lot of those came. He was like four for 12 going into halftime. He was looking awful. And he gets this, he, we get, he gets scapegoated by the fact his defense played electric. That, that's what it was. If our defense, if we got takeaways or Drew doesn't throw picks or Cook doesn't like fumble the freaking ball, we could have won that game very easily. But we got beat. This is the first time in four years we got beat. The Bucks played better than us. It just is what it is. And we deserve to lose the game. And it sucks because so much is going down the drain this year. This is an emotional rant. So much is going down the drain because of what happened this year. That Demario Davis and Cam Jordan and everyone has talked about it. This is a special team, a special locker room. We, our defense, finally, finally played really well all year that they finally looked like they could do it. They looked like they could really do it. And the offense, the thing that we've like for years said, we can never not have an offense. We always will have an offense with Sean Payton. And we saw, we had trick plays. We had Kamara playing well for the first time under Sean Payton, our offense didn't look good. That it hasn't really looked good all year. We've had moments where it's been awesome and electric against the Bucks. It's looked good against the Vikings. Kamara looked awesome, but there's not been a consistent run of form this entire year with the offense because of injury, because of just COVID and things happening. And it can't, clearly came back to bite us in the butt. It, it finally, we were waiting for our comeuppance and this was it where for years we were seven and one for three straight years and Breeze was putting up 5,000 yards. And it finally came back to bite us this year of us putting up numbers. It finally happened. Our offense looked human. It looked sane. And for anyone saying, oh, it's tough to beat a team three times. You were never going to win. The numbers say you beat a team three times more than you lose to a team after beating them twice in a row. That's what the numbers say. For anyone saying that's wrong, you don't. you clearly just don't look at the numbers for it. This, the records of teams going for a third win is like 75% win over loss. Like it, it, you're more likely to win a third time than lose a, after two wins. So it, it, that was a lot I've just said. I'm sorry about that, Arjun. But uh, yeah, I'm, short, go, I'm gonna, we threw it, we threw it away. We threw it away. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on my little rant now. And I'll go <laughs> a, a step further than you and say that we beat ourselves last night. Um. It's the first, like you said, it's the first time losing in a playoff game where we didn't deserve the win. And um, I mean, against, uh, against many, uh, Minnesota in the Minneapolis Miracle, we played from behind. We came back in that game. You could argue, oh, you shouldn't play from behind. Maybe you didn't deserve to win that game. Rams 2018, uh, I'm not even going to, we deserve to win that game. Last year, we were a better team than the Vikings. That day, I'll say that we also may have beat ourselves. But out of the four, this one should hurt the least. But the reason it doesn't is for what you said. We're done. We're past our prime. We're past our window. The window is shut. 
Drew Brees is probably retiring. We're losing coaches to other teams. We're $100 million over the salary cap. We've got to restructure a bunch of contracts, lose a bunch of players on that defense. The window is shut. It's over for us for a bit. That's why it hurts more than it. That's why it hurts more than it would. And I'm just going to dive back into the game a little bit for, um, you know, what I said last week in our preview, we have to start fast. And for all intents and purposes, we did. Two, three and outs to start on defense. Absolutely stellar. That is everything you want in a Tom Brady in playing defense against a Tom Brady offense to get two, three and outs to start a game two red zone field goals out of those three and outs is so disappointing, just absolutely gutting. And if we get two touchdowns in those two drives, hell, if the, if the Deontay Harris touchdown doesn't get called back, the the bucks aren't coming back. They're not coming back from two touchdowns down early because we saw what starting fast did against them in week nine. We beat them 38 to three. Instead of being up 14-0, we went up 6-0. We let them get back in the game. They went up 10-6 because they had a three-yard drive in a touchdown, a one-play three-yard drive. And like I said earlier, I thought the Jameis touchdown point. It was a stroke of absolute genius from Sean Payton. And for as much as the offense was poor tonight, Sean Payton is still one of the best offensive coaches in NFL history. And we can't fault him for one poor performance. That play was a stroke of absolute genius. And it especially works well when you have Alvin Kamara, because all eyes are going to be on that guy, because he is one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. Getting four guys to go to one side and cover Kamara and having Traquan streak down the seam, basically taking the play from the Bears, I was awestruck by it. And Another, uh, another high in that game was that first drive in the second half. The Saints, you know, have a reputation for deferring to the second half, receiving to start. And, you know, I mean, uh, that's what I prefer to do because Arians said before the game, Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay head coach said before the game, we want the ball. We want to start fast. They had three plays and it was a punt. And our offense takes a while to get going. We know that. That first drive in the second half, after we got that touchdown, I was confident that we were going to get more. We didn't score a point for the rest of the game. And really, I'm not going to blame Jared Cook for this loss. Nobody should go out and blame Jared Cook for this. But that fumble was the moment most Saints fans knew we had lost it. Even though we were up seven, that was the time when we knew that it was over because you can't turn the ball over twice and allow 14 points off turnovers and win a football game. I will say when uh, it was 23 to 20, I predicted the score to be 27, 23 New Orleans. So when it was 23, 20 and we were down, I was like, Oh, I'm a prophet. I'm an absolute prophet. I predicted this. It's going to happen. And it just didn't. And I mean, this is less of a rant than just a, just sort of a a release of things I've been wanting to say, because I mean, I'm not angry. I was yesterday. Believe me, my, my parents know because they were listening when we watched the game. So they know I was angry, but 
I don't really have a reason to be. We lost fair and square. And that, it, it should hurt less. But for everything that I said before, it, it, it won't. It won't. But I mean, if, if we had lost fair and square back in 2018, I would have been like, hey, fair. But the Rams won that game in 2018 and proceeded to put up three points in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And that's what kills me inside every day. Not every day. Just it, whenever, whenever I think about, I, it, okay, I'm not going to over-exaggerate here. It, it's not every day. But whenever, whenever I think about it, whenever I see uh, one of my friends send the gif of the call, um, you know, just to, just to piss me off, it, it's what I think about. The Patriots scored 13 points in that game and won the Super Bowl. And I know you wanted to touch on this, Kyle, that 2018 season. The Patriots scored 13 points and won the Super Bowl. And our offense was the best it had been since we won the Super Bowl in 09. Our offense was had Marcus Colston since we had uh, Jeremy Shockey since we had, I think, Reggie Bush running the football. I mean, we, we had a Camara, we had Thomas. I mean, Camara, that was his best. This season and that season were Camara to two of Camara's best. And he's only had four in the NFL, but still. That I mean, it, 20, yeah, if I can quickly just that 2019 yeah, season, we were so good. Like we, there was not like a, oh, we, we didn't play well. No, we looked good. Our defense was 14th. They were very average, but they, they got it done when they needed to. Our offense was ranked third. We had the, th- I believe the third best offense, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm just going to cut cut in really quick and say that was the last year Drew Brees looked like Drew Brees. It did, yeah. And it was a, this year, Drew Brees, I mean, last year he sustained an injury, which was his first in a long, long time. It was his first, I think that was his first missed game as a Saint um, since tearing his uh, rotator cuff um, before coming to the Saints uh, at all. So, I mean, that put a hamper on it. And obviously 11 fractured ribs and a punctured lung is going to put a hamper on your playing as well. So 2018 was the last season that Drew Brees looked like Drew Brees. And even in 2019, maybe it wasn't our year because we lost to, I mean, the Vikings who weren't a very good team, but we won five, we went five and oh with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. That says something about how good your team is. So what do we even what do we even say about 2018 i mean i just it's it it hurts and that was our year and the i we're not even going to talk about drew Brees. we're going to leave that for another day because i there's a lot of emotions right now and i i don't want to we honestly could do a drew Brees career recap as an episode i'm pitching that right now on the live episode yes live we're gonna we're gonna do a drew Brees episode do not worry and we're gonna save that for until the off season because i it it deserves its own episode and it's this this season's it's it's bad this was our last our only this is our last chance to do it all because there's a lot happening as as you've said as i've said that not only are we a hundred mil over the salary cap we're gonna have the brain drain of a century that someone who's been integral in this kind of resurgence for us over the past four years terry fontenot is leaving to be the GM of the Falcons. It's almost confirmed he's gone. Next up, Dan Campbell 
our assistant head coach and our tight ends coach is going to become the head coach of the Lions. That's almost confirmed to be happening. It's going to happen. Then our D-line coach, Ryan Nielsen, who has caused Cam Jordan to be amazing, Trey Hendrickson to be amazing. He has done a lot for us, and he's well-respected in this in the New Orleans area, in the Saints locker room especially. He's going to be the defensive coordinator for LSU. So we're losing those three. They're, we're going to lose a lot more people. I can promise you that. And that's just the, the, the front office. On are the players we're losing, the, our free agents for next year, not even taking into consideration those that like the fact that Lattimore and Ramchek are going to get, have to get paid because they're going mm-hmm. out of their fifth year options. They're going to need to get paid bank this off season. And the players we're going to let our free agents right now. We have Jared cook, Sheldon Rankins, Craig Robertson, PJ Williams, Marcus Williams, probably our biggest free agent, Justin Hardy, our standout. You've got Michael Burton, fullback union stand up. James Hurst has looked good for us. Alex Anzalone, Trey Hendrickson, JT Gray, a stud on special teams. And Jameis, who do we bring him back? We don't even know. Again, quarterback stuff. We're saving that for another day because I don't even want to debate that. But we have a lot of free agents in a lot of key places. And we're losing a lot of players. We're going to lose and, a lot. And of yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely go through all those guys and say who we want to pay. But obviously, we're not, we're not salary cap magicians. I mean, yeah. this isn't like soccer where we can say, oh, pay, there's no salary cap in soccer. You can pay them how much ever you want. That's why bigger teams are better. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. There's an equalizer. So, I mean, we're not – Mickey Loomis is the salary cap wizard. So, uh, I mean, everyone's saying that the salary cap is going to be a massive issue. I saw someone on TikTok, like, with 1,000 followers say the Saints would go 0-16 next year. I mean, maybe he was doing it for clickbait, but that's not even a possibility. There is a lot of different things. I will say uh, the roster will not look the exact same as it does this year. We're going to see a lot of players released because of salary cap issues. A lot of players gone, a lot of players traded. It's we got to expect it because there's a lot of players who Sheldon Rankins, we drafted him. He's looked amazing for us. He's not, I don't think he's going to come back. And he even said it today. He was in an, he did his interview and he said, I would be remiss if I didn't say I was thinking about what's going to happen. And he said, I owe everything to new Orleans. Like I want to come back here, but obviously if it's, if like I might not be, and he was honest, he said, I don't know if I can come back. Like it's, it wasn't him saying, I don't want to come back. It was him saying, I don't know if it's possible. Like everyone's, everyone's reporting it. And he was like, yeah, I don't know if it is possible because I mean, the one, the one good thing cap wise, the one thing we can take solace in is that the culture of this team is so positive. And I mean, we saw so many players tweet today. I mean, Kamara tweeted that he's, he's blessed with, with health and Deontay Harris saying uh, year two done on to year three. And I, I mean, want to say quickly pause on Deontay Harris. He was the lone bright spot. There was a few, he was one of the lone bright spots. So was our coverage of Evans, Godwin, Gronk, and the, our DBs played lights out and man, Deontay Harris the broadcast said it. I don't I it was they were like if Deont like Deontay Harris, his two returns, again, he had a 56 yarder and then a touchdown. Touchdown was called back. He, the, two plays, and that is a difference. He set us up for two touchdowns, realistically. He on he on his own basically gave us two touchdowns. One legitimately was a touchdown, and then one should have been a touchdown. The, the should have been is the first one where he got 56 yards. We should have scored. 
And the other one, he scored a touchdown for us, but it got called back. He, man, him playing again for us is just, he's such a difference maker. And I have, I am going to buy myself a Deontay Harris jersey because I have, I loved him ever since last year, beginning of the year. I was like, he's going to be a stud for us because of how good he looks and how fast he is. Man, he's so good. He, he, and, wow. I mean, he, he got hurt in the middle of the game. So, I mean, that, that really put a hamper on us because he, he was the best receiver for us against the Bears. And I guess, I mean, missing Deontay was a part of the reason why the offense sputtered so much. And having Deontay would have been really good on, you know, those little third down plays there. Maybe we wouldn't have had to throw to Jared Cook if we had Deontay running a flat. Maybe we wouldn't have had to, maybe Drew wouldn't have had to force a throw to Kamara if he had Deontay as an option. And and I also want to say on that, missing Taysom was no one, one, a a lot of people I saw on Twitter were like, oh, missing Taysom is good because it means Sean Payton doesn't have to get all tricky and can do the things that'll actually win us the game. But in reality, Taysom is a problem. Taysom creates issues for teams because you can line him up in a thousand places. You can line him up at quarterback. He's lined up at running back, at fullback, at tight end, on special teams. Shoot, I, I he could have lined up a defense at some point this year. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if he does at some point. But and he's the, a one thing, problem. One thing I forgot to mention when I was talking about the game is that if Taysom is in, maybe we don't kick two red zone field goals. Maybe he comes in on third down and, and, and busts a QB power for eight yards. He's that Latavius was a little bit less missed because Ty Montgomery did have an okay game. He yeah, filled in, made some good runs, and Kamara was running the ball really well anyway. So we didn't need to have an RB2, except for, you know, to give Kamara a rest. But we miss Taysom because – in the passing game, he offers an option. He offers someone you have to cover. In the run game, he's so good in short yard situations, third down, fourth down. Um, I, we didn't mention it last week because I didn't think Taysom was going to miss the game. But when he was on the injury report with a knee injury, he did get hurt last week. But we were like, oh, Taysom's a trooper. He can go through it. So that was also an underrated you know, miss. So, but I mean, I regardless... It's always going to be a shoulda, coulda, woulda thing with us. It is. And I I do also just want to say, like, Taysom, there's also something about him that was reported about on by Tom Rinaldi, actually, on Fox uh, before the game, which was that the Saints missing Taysom, it isn't just that the problem he creates. It's that the team gets more physical when he's in because he's got this just energy about him that he, he makes you want to just run through a brick wall and that him being there makes the running back room want to be more physical and the O-line want to be more physical in the run game, that he instills an energy in them. He may not be the best running back, but he instills an energy in these players when he's on the field because of how intense he is. And that him missing, it draws back a bit. And then not getting a big Camaro run, it, it just it was a whole kit and caboodle of things a whole a perfect storm of things that went against us that I'm not saying we could have won this game. We should have won this game. We had everything built for us to win the game. Missing Tavius sucked. Missing Taysom sucked. Missing Patrick Robinson sucked. We still should have won the game, but we lost fair and square. And it hurts. It really hurts. This one shouldn't, it, it shouldn't have hurt as much as it did, but it, it hurt 
It really, I, I've said it about 10 times now, but it just hurt. My soul and, hurt. Mean, there's, there's probably a ton of stuff that we're not, that, you know, that, that has just run through our heads in the last 24 hours that we're, you know, forgetting about or, oh, you know, that we're if I, if not touching about, about, which I should probably talk about. The one thing we built on hat, our built our hat on through nine weeks of the season or whenever we played the Falcons the f- first time, like up basically through that point was our, our pass rush. Where was it? It was nowhere to be found last night. We had one sack um, on like the first or second drive. After that, there was maybe one pressure by Onyemata. Tom Brady, he didn't even have a good game, but he had all of the time in the world to pass the ball. There was no pass rush from anybody. For, for a Dennis Allen defense, there was a shockingly low number amount of blitzes. And it was mainly the front four rushing most of the time. And the sack that came was on a blitz um, with um, the linebackers coming in late. But that's a product of when Tampa Bay has got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown. You got to cover those four guys. You can't blitz every play. But why didn't? Why were we able to do that in Week Nine? Yeah. But we couldn't do it here. Well, and again, we thought like- Trey Hendrickson being back would make a huge difference, and we would blitz a lot more. Tom Brady, when Tom Brady, when not given time to throw, as most other quarterbacks to ever play this game in the NFL doesn't play well quarterbacks don't play well under pressure most quarterbacks won't zip a ball 45 yards when they've got dudes bearing down in their face you know you'll see Aaron Rodgers do it you'll see Patrick Mahomes do it but Tom Brady's 43 he can't do it anymore and he can't escape that rush and even on that like the the thing is okay if if we say we didn't pass rush like we did we could have even won the game but we lost it. We lost it on turnovers. We beat ourselves. It's been the issue all season long. We have, there is, I'm just going to even pull up stats for us. The amount of games that we realistically lost, like going back from the start, the Bucks game, we won. We could have lost it. The Raiders game, we beat ourselves. We couldn't stop. That was the worst performance of our of our season. That was the worst game we played. Uh, we're getting, we're getting to that worst performance. Don't you? Oh, well, the Eagles, the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Then second game, Packers game, we just got beat. Rodgers is Rodgers. I'm talking about him. The Packers, the Packers are genuinely just a better team. And just before we cover the Bucks Packers game, I I we would have lost to the Packers anyway. I think we would. I don't think we could have gone into Lambeau and and done anything. We would have needed a miracle, and we'll talk about that later. But yeah, Packers, we lost. Lions, we won. We should not have won. (laughs) We played (laughs) so poorly. Charges. I forgot we played the Lions. Yeah. Charges. We won in overtime after Justin Herbert destroyed us. Should have lost, probably should have lost that game. Panthers, we almost lost that game. The Bears, we barely won that game against Nick Foles. The Bucks game dominated. Niners game, we won, but we could have very easily lost to ourselves. Falcons game, we won. Broncos, I don't count that as a football game. Uh, <laughs> Falcons game, again. <laughs> We could have very easily lost that game. Eagles game, we looked bad. We looked awful. We looked trash. Chiefs game, we we could have won, but again, the Chiefs are a better team than us. I don't. That know. Chiefs game was one of the, our best performances on the year. Yeah, it was to keep that Chiefs team to to lose thirty two twenty nine against that Chiefs team. A really impressive. 
I, yeah. I think it was one of our best offensive performances of the year too in the second half. Yeah. First half. And, and then the last two games, Vikings game, obviously Kamara had himself a record day. And then, and, but the defense didn't fully hold up. We let up 33 points. And then the Panthers game, the last week of the season. Yeah, we won. Last game of the season against the Panthers. Didn't expect much that we in the bears game, even our offense just wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't just like, again, they could have been up early on us and they, the bears bears did their offense is garbage. Maserati Mitch is broken down car at this point that there was so many games where we beat ourselves, but got lucky for something, either a Camara run or a great play by somebody on defense or something. But there's so many games where we just beat ourselves. And that was the story of the season is that everywhere on the ball, whether that be the pass rush in this game or breeze in the, the passing game in this game, or one other weeks where we couldn't cover anybody or another week where we couldn't run the ball. Well, like there's just so many things we did this year. We just couldn't stay consistent. There was no consistency. A lot of that was down to injury. A lot of that was just down to players not playing well and it sucks and it's awful. And this was our last shot. It was our last hope and it, it hurts. And we're going to, we're going to do a whole recap of this, of the Saints season and kind of the roster and stuff again, after the season is done, that there is a lot we have to cover and a lot we got to talk about and a lot of things that could happen. Cause even today, Ian Rappaport reported that there's no sense of Thomas is safe. The only player that's really safe in new Orleans is Alvin Kamara. Realistically. Like, he, he just signed a five-year deal yeah. before this year. So I, I don't see him. He will not leave. He, I absolutely don't see him being traded. But, I mean, we'll, we'll have speculation for after the season. But, but yeah. like We'll my, have choices of what we want where I've already got quarterbacks in mind if we don't stick with Taysom yeah. or Jamin. There's, but, there, yeah, even on those guys, there's a whole discussion to have, and we'll save that for another time. But for now, I just – I want to this, – this team played its heart out this year. I will say that Demario Davis, C.J. Gardner Johnson, they, wow, great all year. We just, we couldn't get it done in the end when we needed to. And a team that, I mean, my prediction for <laughs> the Super Bowl of the Saints Ravens is not going to happen because it's the, neither teams in the playoffs anymore. Uh, we're gonna, um, so we can start off, we can start off with Rams Packers because that was the first game. Yeah, we'll start with that. Uh, if you want to talk about that game. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll do uh, the team afterwards. So Rams. So, I mean, the Packers, I, I predicted this matchup. I predicted the Rams to beat the Seahawks and the Packers to face the Rams. But man, this Packers offense is ridiculous, ridiculous. And my thinking all year was, I mean, the Rams ended the season as the best defense and they showed it against the Seahawks where were they they got absolutely dismantled by Aaron Rodgers and my thinking all year was why doesn't Aaron Jones get more touches I had him on my fantasy team and he did not get that many touches all year 14 rushes for 99 yards and a touchdown when their run game gets going Aaron Rodgers and play action is just unbeatable and that's why the Packers are my Super Bowl pick 
because this offense is rolling so well right now that they don't even need a, a wide receiver two under Devontae Adams. Their leading receiver on the game was Alan Lazard. Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey, I thought, was going to be the matchup that determined it. And for all intents and purposes, Ramsey had a pretty good game. Devontae Adams had nine receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. Good stat line, but for Devontae Adams, that's below average on the year. But this Packers offense is really the reason why I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. And, I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers deserves a second ring. He's deserved a second ring for a long, long, long time. And it would only cement his status as a top five quarterback ever, if not top three, if not top two, if not top one by the end of his career. So uh, I'm very high on the Packers train right now. Uh, I said it at the end of the season that I thought the Packers were overrated. I'll take that back. I, I think they're fantastic. That defense performed really well, regardless they were playing, you know, Jared Goff with a glove. Jared Goff regularly isn't really going to get you far anyway, unless you're carried by defense and the referees. Um, so, I mean, the recap on that game is that the Rams did keep it pretty close until the end of the game. Uh, it sort of got away from them maybe around the second quarter mark, but, you know, the Rams didn't score a point in the fourth quarter. The Packers look really, really good. And the Packers against the Bucks is going to be a good game because if the Bucks can show up on defense like they did against us, who knows what could happen? Well, Hopefully. the thing I will say quickly on the Packers-Rams game, was a the the Packers play had 70 ran 72 plays 36 Aaron Rodgers passes and 36 rushes that's what was going to win you a game it's when you are that even and that dominant the Packers have Jamal Williams Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon all who can run the ball real well they all look good and Aaron Rodgers is just a different dude he's a different breed but the reason I'm high on the Packers now isn't because of them. It's because of their defense that Goff, for all intents and purposes had a good game. 20 over 21 for 27. It's pretty good. Cam Akers had a decent game, but when they needed to, the Packers sacked him four times. They got after Goff. They Darius Smith and just the entire Packers D line, their linebackers, everyone, they just are, they just, they're different. They're really good. They're what's they're the Packers and Saints have been so similar for so long because they've both had great quarterbacks, but have had horrible defenses. And finally, finally, the Saints got a defense, and we should have gone to the Super Bowl in 2018. Packers get a defense and finally got the coach that they needed. We've had Sean Payton, but they get their coach, Matt LaFleur. Bam! Everything's perfect now. Like it's, it's crazy to see. And the Packers, yeah, they're, 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 they're scary. They're real scary. And a team that also is scary for a lot of random reasons is the bills. The Billies won 17 to three against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Watching this game was, it hurt a lot of people to watch the game. And for a lot of weird reasons, the one, the big reason was that the defenses both played well and just the offenses were just so, I don't even know how to describe it. So weird that there wasn't a lot, like obviously the scoreline of 70 to three 
kind of shows nothing happened. But a lot happened. Justin Tucker missed two field goals. What? Justin Tucker, Mr. Consistent, doing two field goals in a row. The faces he made after the first doink was like, I, I did what now? And then he overdid his next one. He pushed it far to the right and he doinked it again. And he was like, oh my God, what did I do? Which just, it was so strange. And the third quarter was kind of where the game was won by the Bills. Diggs had a three-yard touchdown after a good Bills drive. And then, I mean, Teron Johnson Picked off Lamar Jackson, 101 yards, touchdown. Lamar Jackson made a real bad error. And the summary of this Ravens team was that they neither team A ran the ball well in this game. Neither team ran well. Like, let, let me get that off the bat. The, Ram, the Ravens had 150 yards on the ground, but it was split between four players. The Bills ran for 32 yards because <laughs> the Ravens have a great run defense. And the Ravens, they ran for 150 on 32 carries, which 4.7 yards a carry, not awful, but not great. Lamar Jackson didn't run well. The Bills stuffed him. Mm-hmm. And the, the Ravens, their issue was that no receiver could get open. There was, there's not a number one on that team. They drafted Hollywood Brown to be a number one on their team. He is not a number one. He is a good, he's an Emmanuel Sanders. He is a number two. They need a number one. They need, a, they need an Allen Robinson. They need a Kenny Galladay. They're going to go sign and tr- or trade for a wide receiver this offseason. I can promise you that. Because if they can get a wide receiver, they're great. But they don't have one. And that's the issue. And the Bills just, yeah. And that, the Bills are going to be going to Arrowhead. Um, can I, I'm going to quickly talk about Ravens Bills yeah. just real quick. Well, before we touch on the Chiefs, yes. John Harbaugh has designed an offense around Lamar Jackson. And the offense lives and dies by the run. So, I mean, the Ravens didn't score a touchdown all night because the Bills' run defense was shut down. Lamar Jackson had 3.8 yards of carry, which isn't Lamar Jackson numbers. And, I mean, the Bills had some insane stat. I don't think they ran the ball in the first half they at all. They ran it. They um, didn't have a designed run until the third quarter. And that's, that's by design. Because Devin Singletary isn't really a very good running back. And he's a good receiving back, not a very good running back. And after the Bills saw what they did to what the Ravens did to Derrick Henry last week, the best running back in the NFL, allowing him to 40 yards, Sean McDermott schemed it up so that they wouldn't run the football. And that's what won them the game. Even though they, I mean, when they started running the football, their offense started going a little bit better, but they only ran the ball nine times in the entire game with, with their running backs. Josh Allen had seven carries for three yards, which, you know, some of those were kneels, but I digress. Yeah. But the game was won with that Teron Johnson pick and the bills defense won them the game. And that hasn't been the case all season because it's been that explosive offense. So, I mean, the bills, uh, you're going to touch on it. I mean, bills chiefs is going to be, a barn burner. Yeah. I'm excited. And the reason they're playing the chiefs is because the chiefs won 22 to 17, which first note off the bat, people think the chiefs only scored 22 points. What? That's crazy. The Browns defense played well ish ish. That's how I'll put it. Uh, the, the game had two humongous moments happen in it or three realistically three big moments in this game. 
The first one came at the end of the first half. So kind of doing what I did earlier with the Saints game. The Chiefs started with a touchdown. Browns get a field goal. Chiefs get a touchdown. The Browns punt. Chiefs get a field goal. They're up 16-3. to They missed an extra point with Harrison Butker. Again, kicker is missing kicks left, right, and center. What's happening? I don't know. So they were up 16-3. to Browns fumble it. Chiefs get a field goal. They're up 19-3. It's like the, oh gosh, the reason there was a fumble, the end of the first half, end of the first half, was because of the stupidest rule in the NFL. There was two different issues with the play. So Rashard Higgins catches the ball from Baker, turns upfield, and dives for the pylon. So, and he dives, sticks his arms out for the end zone. He is hit by uh, Sorensen. I believe Dan Sorensen is who it is. Yep. First mm-hmm. Sorensen hits him. Firstly, before he gets a fumble, with he leads with his helmet. Like you, it is it is an irrefutable. He dove with his helmet, didn't stick his arms out, literally helmet in, trying to just hit him as hard as possible with his helmet, which is an immediate flag. That should be should be a flag. It should be reviewable to review if something's helmet to helmet contact or if you're leading with your helmet. Don't know why it's not reviewable. It should be if because it could a save a lot of penalties because a lot of the time some of these calls are kind of. Eh, but that one, it should be reviewed to be possibly called as a helmet to helmet because he dove with his helmet and hit him and it caused the fumble. And Higgins fumbles the ball into the end zone and out of the end zone for the dumbest rule of all time, which is if you fumble the ball out of the end zone, it is a touchback and the defense gets the ball at the 20. It's stupid. So God, I agree. I agree, that, so I agree that it is a dumb rule. But what do you do? You have to completely reclassify the definition of a touchback. I don't think you do. I think you do for only if the ball's the only for the case the ball's fumbled in the end zone and it's fumbled out. That is the only that is that is the issue people have. It's not the idea of a touchback, it's the idea of the ball being fumbled out of the end zone by the offense. That is the like there are certain rulings for certain things and how certain plays work. And that is one of the things. Fumbles have always been weird with rulings that if you fumble the ball forwards, it's got issues. It's fumbled back. It's got issues. Teams touch it, whatever. The debate is that the, if you fumble the ball on offense, you go, the chiefs went 70 yards or no, they went 74 yards. The Browns, my bad, 74 yards, got it down to just about the end zone, literally to the half more half yard line is where the ball was fumbled. And it goes out of bounds. And it's like, you do all this work, you fumble the ball, if you fumble it half a yard forward out of bounds at the half yard line, you get it at the half yard line. And in the case that's a yard forward and out of bounds, you the other team gets the ball at the 20 yard line. What it should be, and what I think it should be, is whatever down it is, say if it's fourth down, it remains fourth down, but the team, if you fumble it in the end zone, it goes out, you get it at the 15 or 20. Probably the 20, but you get it there. Or, yeah, probably that. If they fumble out the end zone, you get it out of the 20 if it's fourth down. If it's any other down, it goes to the next down. So if it's first down, it comes second down, second down, third down, third down, fourth down, like that. Work it easily like that. Because it's basically like, ha, 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 you fumbled this ball a yard farther than you should have. Your fault, not ours. It's, it's always been a dumb rule. 
And I get why it is the way it is, but it's so dumb. And everyone understood why it was dumb. Every person was like, yeah, this is dumb. It makes sense. It, it, like they explained why it's a rule, but it's stupid. Like the idea of the tuck rule before it was invented, it was dumb what was happening. And they invented the tuck rule for it. And then the catch rule, they invented the rulings for how that catch works now with the, you have to have control and two steps and a football move. They should do the same thing with this, with the fumble out of the end zone. They should say, if you fumble out the end zone as the offense, you get the ball at the 20 or the 15 or even the 10 yard line. I don't know, but either you lose a down or it's fourth down, depending on if it's fourth down or not, basically. And I mean, my biggest objection with the play was that, I mean, helmet to helmet hits should 100% be either reviewable or challengeable. How they're not, I don't know. It, I mean, the, the pass interference experiment was a failed one because pass interference is way more vague than, I'm just going to rephrase it as targeting because that's what college does. Targeting has become softer and softer as the, the, as the FBS has implemented it. But for good reason, those are college kids. Not all of them are going to go on and play in the NFL for a living. They're not getting paid to be hit in the helmet, right? So the classification is you just, you continue to play like you are. NFL rules stay, but you're able to review it. If the NFL cares about player safety, they'll flag, they'll punish whoever does that. And uh, I mean, it's been made very clear by the league that they don't really care about player safety. As much as they say they do, it's made very clear that they don't. And the fact that pass interference was reviewable for one year, despite being way more vague than this, it's just a fault of the NFL. And I mean, it was, that was one of the clearest helmet to helmet hits that hasn't been called I've seen in a long time. Because like you said, he, he went in with his arms, but the helmet to helmet hit was pretty much what knocked the ball loose. That impact was what knocked the ball loose. He led with the crown and made contact with the helmet. In college, it, it really is just, if you lead with the crown, you're done. But saw, in this I one, saw, it's, it's both. Yeah, and I saw something that was jarring for also what happened later. And I saw it during the game when it happened, which was if this was Patrick Mahomes, that would be targeting the player been thrown out of the game. That's what would have yeah. happened. And it would have, it very easily would have, if that was anybody else, if that was him, if that was even OBJ or Baker or someone that quote unquote mattered, not to dismay Sean, like Rashard Higgins, but if that was a money man, if that was a Rogers, that was a breeze, that was a Brady, any of them, it would have been targeting. But because it wasn't, it wasn't called. And it should be reviewable. It's dumb, it's not. In college, you mentioned, in college, you mentioned, they do, they review, they automatically review every targeting flag. They review it one, to make sure it's targeting, and two, to see if it was accidental or caused. If it was an accidental one where it just happened to be the helmets hit at a really weird angle, they're not throwing the player out of the game. But if it was like, looked like it's on purpose, they throw them out of the game. They check for all three levels of it. The NFL, they don't even review it. They don't look at it. It's looked at afterwards, see if a player gets fined or not, but they don't look at it because that changes a game. It's changed college games when players have been ejected for targeting. It could have changed this game massively. It's, it's, there's so much, so many issues with that play. And second half begins after that debacle. The Browns look decent. And then Patrick Mahomes. I, at the time of the play, was dealing with Wi-Fi issues, trying to get ready for the Saints game. I didn't see what happened until afterwards. Patrick Mahomes 
Uh, if you actually, do you want to talk about it? Cause I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, he went down. Um, he was, he had a toe injury earlier in the game. So I was like, Oh, maybe he's got turf toe. Um, but then he goes down, comes back up and is sort of dizzy. So, I mean, Jim Nance and Tony Romo immediately went, Whoa, like they were concerned. They show the replay. His head doesn't really hit the ground. Um, he goes into concussion protocol and is ruled out for the rest of the game with a concussion. So maybe he took the hit earlier in the game. We didn't see it. Or maybe, you know, some sort of some angle with his neck, you know, created yeah. and uh, on, that impact. And on that, it's what it's currently looking like it is, is that it was a neck. It was a nerve in his neck somewhere that just wasn't happy. That's that is so, what because a neck injury, neck issues are considered to be concussion protocol levels that anything. So that is fine. that is the issue. Because Patrick Mahomes didn't play for the rest of the game. Chad Henney subbed in, won them the football game. Do you know uh, hashtag anything, yeah. anything is possible. Why? Because anything is possible. And Chad Henney. But, <laughs> but the concern is, is Mahomes ready for Sunday? Is he ready to play in the AFC Championship? And that is the concern with them playing the Bills at Arrowhead. Um, so I think that segues nicely into our previews of the NFC and the AFC championships. The Bucks will play the Packers on Sunday at 3.05 Eastern, and the Bills-Chiefs game will be pretty much right after that at 6.40 Eastern. So you want to start with Bucks-Packers, Kyle? Oh, no, we're starting with the AFC because as Absolutely. We, just, we just said it. We talked about the okay. AFC stuff. we got to do it. And I'm going to give my predictions in kind of two fashions. So one of them, and this is very clear as to why, is – if Mahomes plays, yeah. if Mahomes plays, the Chiefs win. That is just, I I love you, Buffalo. We go to school close to Buffalo. I've got a lot of Buffalo friends. The timeline is bonkers during Bills games. The Chiefs are a different animal. Again, Chad Henney came in and still won a football game. It was his first ever postseason start, a first even play, and he won. <laughs> just like Andy Reid is ridiculous as a coach. And the Chiefs are going to win. So if the Bills-Chiefs game, if Mahomes plays, it's going to be – I think the Bills' defense might get torched. I'm going to probably say 31 Chiefs to – I'm sorry, Bills, but 12. I just – 12, 13. I'll give them 13 points. Why not? Uh, but if Mahomes does not play, I think we could see a 26 to 14 or 15 game. We'll do 15, 26, 15 bills. Depends on if Mahomes plays or not. That's how I'll, that's how I'll quantify that. What about you? See, I'll do it. I'll do it like that too. I have, I had bills chiefs as my AFC championship and I had the bills winning. So my prediction will be the same for both. Just margin of victory will be different. If Henny plays, I'm going to go Bills 31, Chiefs 20. If uh, Mahomes plays, I'm going to go Bills 29, Chiefs 24. Setting up a Bills, setting up Buffalo back in the Super Bowl. Hey, what was the what was the if Henny plays score? If I can just quickly ask. 31 to 20. 31 to 20. Okay, interesting. If Henny plays. If Henny plays. So you're, you're going Buff. You're going Buffalo. I'm going think, Buffalo regardless if yeah, Mahomes or Haney plays. Intriguing. I, th- I think that Bills defense just looks so good against the Ravens. It was the rush defense, and, you know, 
the, the Chiefs aren't really a team that rely on the run all that much, but they probably will have Clyde edwards Elair back. Yeah, which could, so, make, could be huge. So It could. And so that's that game. Then we have the game that the Saints could have been playing in if we didn't beat ourselves, which is at Lambeau Field, 340. It is meant to snow, so we're going to have a frozen game. The Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers going against the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Ooh, this is a fun game. Uh, let's start with you. Give me your conversation of the game and what you think is going to happen. So, I mean, I said it. The Packers are my Super Bowl pick. I don't think anybody goes into Lambeau and wins. The Bucks did beat the Packers earlier this year in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. I don't think they can replicate it. The Packers are a better team. Granted, so are the Bucks. They are a better team from when they beat the Packers that week. But the Packers offense just looks unstoppable right now. And a lot of the reason why the Bucks defense played so well is because the Saints offense hasn't looked good for weeks. Since the Vikings game, we haven't looked good. And against the Bears, who are a decent defense, the Saints offense sputtered. Against the Panthers, the Saints offense was pretty much sputtering. This Packers offense is not sputtering. They are absolutely rolling right now. And with the way the Packers defense played as well against the Rams, I think they'll get pressure on Brady. I think they're going to stop that run because the run was an underrated part of how the Bucs were able to win this game. I think Fournette and Jones combined for like 40 yards. And I think the Bucs will take it. I think it'll be, I'm going to go. Ooh, the Bucs are taking it or the Packers? Oh, my bad, my bad. Packers, Packers. I was going to say, I was like, wait a second. What are I you- was just saying, my bad, my bad. Packers, Packers. Ooh. Uh, Packers are taking it. I'm going to say 34 to 23. Interesting. Interesting. So I have heard a lot about this game and a lot of people talking about it and how it's going to work. A big thing for me is that the Bucks had to exercise their demons. They had to exercise their demons with the Saints. They had lost to us twice. They kind of had to beat us to get the monkey off their chest. The Packers have to be the Bucks to get the monkey off their chest. And how the Packers are playing, as you said, both sides of the ball look electric right now, both the offense and the defense. Special teams is very strange, but offense and defense for the Packers, just right now they're playing at a different level. The Bucks, again, if, with, if we don't turn the ball over, we very easily could have been in this game. I, I, the Bucks defense played well, offense not so much. Antonio Brown could have, could have a hurt knee. That may not be good. If Ronald Jones is back healthy, that's good for them. But they're missing Alex Kappa, their right guard. That's not good against a very good, very good defense. I also am picking the Packers. I just, I don't think any team was going to go into Green Bay and win in the championship game because Rodgers wants to go there. My prediction was that the Bucs would beat them in the divisional round because I think at that point, the Bucs may have played better. But the, the Packers had a week to ramp up. And Rodgers is just a scary dude. He is playing like no man's business. He's going to be the MVP this year. It's going to happen. And they're going to win. I, you know when you have a feeling something's going to happen and you don't want it to happen, but you also kind of think it's just going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. I have, I've predicted a lot of close games so far in all my playoff predictions, but none of them have come to fruition. This isn't going to be close. I just, I feel like Rogers is going to have himself a day 
and he's gonna ball out. And I love, I, I love the idea that Brady will lose, as I've said in the past. Brady's gonna lose this game, and it's not gonna be Brady losing this game. It's gonna be Rogers winning the game. I think, I think it's gonna end up thirty-eight Green Bay to seventeen Tampa, and that doesn't sound like a blowout, but it'll be a blowout. And that it'll be like what the Bears scored their touchdown against us was. It'll be like a last yeah. minute touchdown, and then like the onside kick, and it'll go nowhere. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it's it, Rogers is a different dude. He's a different breed. He's a bad one, one, man. <laughs> one thing I want to do really quickly just before we sign off, I want to rank uh, your not your predicted, but I want to rank from one to four uh, the Super Bowls you want to see happen. Ooh, okay. So. I mean, we'll go bottom up for this. Yeah. Also, I'll do mine. You do yours. Number four for me would be Tampa Bay, Buffalo. I don't want to see that game. Yeah, same. Exactly the same for me. Uh, number three is Buffalo, Green Bay. Don't want to see that okay. game. Not as my number three. Buffalo. My number three would be Buffalo, Kansas City. Or no, no. Uh, Can I have that? <laughs> Buccaneers, Kansas City. That's my number three. My number two is that game because I, I, I want to see it more than I would Green Bay Buffalo because I think that I think Rogers would destroy that game. But I'd rather see the Kansas City Tampa Bay game because they already played this year and it was a close game and it was electric. And Brady versus Mahomes, we already know what the deal with that is. It's the passing of the torch, kind of. So I want to see that game more than the other game. My number two would be Packers Bills. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think we're agreed on what number one is then. I mean, if I want Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes, if you don't want to see this game, unless you're a big Buffalo fan or you've you're you're riding Bills Mafia in these playoffs, Rodgers Mahomes is the dream Super Bowl, and we have been robbed of it. And I I want to see it. I want the State Farm Super Bowl discount double check. I want it. I want the game to happen. I want BJ Raji to be in the house, one of the fans. I want (laughs) to see it, man, because the two of them. They're the best players in the NFL right now. I think quarterback-wise, quarterback, quarterback wise, two best. Rodgers yeah. is the most talented quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Mahomes is going to be the most talented quarterback of all time. It's, mm-hmm. it, it will be the passing of the torch. That's what this game, that game will be. Mm-hmm. Rodgers exactly. is going to win, but it'll be the, like, your next king. Like, yeah. Mahomes is, like, everyone's talking about him as the GOAT already. He's got he's got a, he's got time to get there. He's got he's got a lot of time to be able to get to that goat. He's spot. got he's got time and he's got Andy Reid. So yeah. I, he he'll do it. But yes. uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers deserves a second ring, less than Drew Brees, but more than anybody else in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I mean less than Drew Brees because obviously we've got the bias. Yes. But <laughs> I mean Aaron Rodgers out of every quarterback in the NFL, for him to have one ring is criminal, and I think he deserves this one, and I think this is the year for him to go get it. It is, and this is this year is built for him to get it. And if he does yeah. get it, man, woof, that game will be crazy. And, it will. Yeah, and I really, I really hope that these two games end up well, end up going good too. Because I predicted Bills Ravens to be the best game of the week, and it was very easily the worst. So I, I maybe our, I, I predicted ours to be the best, and it was not the best. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising, the Chiefs Browns game was the the best game with the most storylines, the most to yeah. talk about. So I mean, that was that was a fun game to watch. 
especially with the Browns coming back with Mahomes leaving so many storylines. And I mean, the, this Sunday, this next, this coming Sunday is going to bring tons more storylines, Brady versus Rogers, oh. Allen versus Mahomes, uh, playing in Lambeau, playing in Arrowhead, two of the most storied stadiums in the NFL. It's just going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be, gonna be a, a fun, year. a fun conference championship and, weekend. And we will make sure to bring all of the coverage for that next week. And for anyone who we've, we have gotten messages I've gotten messages personally, especially from those who listen that are friends of ours, that why haven't we talked about Watson or head coaches or now Saints offseason stuff? It's because we're not going to talk about it at the end of the season, that there's been too much happening, too much Saints football discussion. I mean, this episode is going to be a long one. So yeah. we're saving all of that stuff for postseason, post-Super Bowl, because that's when we can talk about it. And that mm-hmm. stuff will be decided and we'll have to pre- we'll preview some stuff. So it'll be fun. So thank you for listening to episode 11 of the Going Going Lunar podcast. Make sure to check out part one or part two, actually, my fault, where we talk all things Arsenal and all non-sad things as much as this was sad. And thank you for listening to our rants. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Pod. We will score update a little bit of the championship games. We're not sure how that'll work. We've got some Arsenal games this week. So check us out there. Check out our parents, C89. For myself and Arjun, firstly, thank you to the Saints for a great season. We'll talk more about that later. But thank you, all of you listeners. We will see you later. Thank you all so much.